I slipped inside him and I wore him I wore him like a onesie and I came I crept into his house I came to his house and I sat down at the dinner table there was my kids and I said darling where did your pasta and the see You'd think it'd be simple, but the mouth wasn't attached to my oh, mouth. Oh, no! And they saw the mouth inside the mouth. Oh, no! And that's what gave it away. Oh, oh good. It. Those, mouth, those mouths inside mouths, they're real, the, they're real doozies. The old mouth mouth. Oh, mouths. you got to get that ooh mouth. Oh, oh hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to another Big Damn Cast. I'm Crabopulous Michael. I'm... Oh, we'll get back to that one. And you are here for some tits and bollocks. Ah! But as podcasts mostly an audio, audio medium, an audible experience. Listen to this. That was Matthew's tit. Yes. Now here are my bollocks. There's something rattling around oh. in there. <laughs> what news have we got on the menu this week, you handsome uh, swine? Nothing too big. We're going to have a couple of little chats about the little things. We've got uh, little some- bits. A little bit of casting news for um, the new Hellboy movie. We got a reveal of uh, one of the new leads in the Deadpool 2. And we got some more news from the corner of the DCEU. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, our weekly update of what the fuck is wrong what with Batman. What the fuck is going on? Batfleck, um, biatchin. Plus, we're also going to be celebrating the official kickoff of Rick and Morty Season 3. By giving our uh, little recap of the uh, ridiculous, Rick Shank, the Rick Shank Redemption, isn't it? The first Rick Shank one? Redemption. Rick Shank Redemption. The Rick the Rick the, Shank the Rick Shank Redemption. God, they're just trying Rick to cram Shank, all the Ricks. No, no, trippingly. Um, Rick, Rick Shank Rick Shank Redemption. Rick Shank. I can't act. Send the coach to the set oh, no, of no, Solo no. Cup. The movie. You can't improvise. That apparently is the problem. Why, why would he need to improvise? Because Lord and Miller wanted to improvise the whole fucking film rather than actually sticking to the script they'd written. That was oh, the whole problem. God, poor Ron Howard. Um, plus, uh, now here's, here's the thing. Just a quick note on Rick and Morty. Yeah. Season 3 is coming out weekly uh, in the UK on Netflix um, Yeah, to coincide with the US broadcast in the States on Cartoon Network, Adult Swim. Yeah. Um, however, as of the time of recording this episode, it is Wednesday the 2nd of August... And only episode one of season three of Rick and Morty is available on UK Netflix at the moment. Although episode two was the one that went out in the States because episode one, of course, went out uh, as a binge watch on April Fool's Day on Adult Swim. So, apparently, we're getting episode two possibly tonight or tomorrow. Um, Either way, we'll touch on episode two and presumably also episode three next week. So don't even trip, dog. Um, don't even tr- just get swifty just get swifty just uh, you uh, reverse giraffe long body short, short neck and legs, legs. Um, um, so yeah no it's not up yet ah beautiful it's, oh. it's not up yet so much to look forward to in my dreams but speaking of my dreams Matthew yes lay there covered in sacrificial oils well it's funny you should mention sacrifices oh because Let's see how this one unfolds. A, a god, a bona fide god, oh. has joined the cast of the new Hellboy movie. Oh, you know what? That was an all right segue. Yeah, it was okay, wasn't it? Have a, uh, have a, have a cookie. Oh, hmm. 
came out the other end quick. Well, you know, they just go straight through me. Mm. Um, <laughs> make sure you bleach them before you put them back in. Yeah? No. Uh, I like to stick them in the till, knowing where they've been. Mm. So, back whoa, back up now. Give a brother back room. Up, back up. Hellboy is getting another movie. Yes, we talked about this a little bit. But it is a... But for context, dear boy. For context! See, Joe Blow out there in the world might have Joe no Blow. clue. Old Joe Blow. Joe Blow! How are you doing, Joe? I've not seen you for years! Well, he's been busy blow, hasn't he? Oh, okay. Joe's been busy on, on the blow. On the blow. He's been in the blow. Going with the flow. <laughs> you know? You know? Going with the blow. But Joe Blow, he's only just lifted his head up from his pile of lemon sherbet deluxe. My name is Joe... And I go where the blow be. <laughs> His boss has turned around to him and said, Yeah, that doesn't rhyme. Uh, go away and have a think. See what you can come up with. And as he's got, gone on his little walk... My name be Joe. Oh, oh God. And I like to get a glow. Right? When I do what I know, mm-hmm. what to do with the blow. Ah, where'd you go from here, Joe? Just go with the flow. Oh, damn it. All right, Joe. I like your moxie, kid. <laughs> You're hired. Now uh... To make the new Hellboy movie. Yes, which is <laughs> not a continuation at all, is it? This it, is a brand, this is a reboot. This is a new Hellboy movie. Possibly called Hellboy. Wasn't there talks of it being maybe called... Um... God, what's the name of the organisation? Oh, I can't remember. The Bureau of... No, no, it did have a proper subtitle, but I've forgotten it. Okay. Captain Tits. Captain Tits. Hellboy and the Philosopher's Tits. They've got lots of titles to pull from, because there's a lot of Hellboy graphic novels. Harry Boy and the Philosopher's Tits. Good work. Yeah, good work. Thank you. Thank you. I I know what I know, and what I know is blow. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, That's... Yeah. Twist ending, guys. Um... Ian so, McShane. What? What? Hello? Sorry, I just got an instant erection. What What about the wonderful Sulfordian glowing ball is of light? Are playing you, you Professor Broom. Wait the cocking hell. In the new Hellboy movie. Right, hang on. Professor Broom, for those who be laymen, yes. or laywomen. Um, lay people. Lay peeps. My lay peeps. My lay peeps. Um, Broom is the guy in charge of the organisation, the founder. The guy who finds Hellboy Euro as a child. Research and Defence, the BPRD. And was previously played in Hellboy and in archive footage and voice in Hellboy 2 by the, late, John great, the late great What I Did, I Did Without Choice because I was contracted to do some voiceover. <laughs> uh, John Hurt, yeah. So, who played it very well. And I oh, remember yeah, it being great. celebrated a lot by Hellboy readers as well at the time. People saying that it was an excellent casting choice. So, if you're going to bring that character back, you obviously have to cast strong. But luckily, we're not in like a J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah Jameson scenario here where no one can picture anyone else in the role. You just need to whip out a name. And the name they have whipped out, engraved on their mighty confident cockerel, and unfurled on the table in front of the exec producers. It's a big, thick, weathered Salfordian dick. Yeah. Old, old faithful. Ian McShane. Ian McShwan. Uh, so, you know, he's got a full docky. He's got, old, he's known for being the founder of the McRib. The, he is, yeah. <laughs> Ian McShane created the McRib. Yeah. It's true. 
And he is the old in Old MacDonald Hat Farm. Ian's rib. He's as old as time. (laughs) And has a face that shows every year since he was was... conceived. Not physically, mind. (laughs) But from before his actual physical conception. If you cut open Ian McShane and count the rings... Yeah. You'll have committed murder. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... Oh, God. Okay. Uh, That's good casting. I'm interested to see where they go with that. Obviously, Broom's going to be a little bit younger than Hurt's version. Hurt's version was aimed to be very old and, like... You know, he, he he was nearing the end of his life in that story. Even McShane's got that wonderful cranginess to him. He does, but he's got a bit more of a... Like, if John Hurt had, like, the more whimsical um, crackliness, Machine's got, got sort of balls. Yeah, it's yeah. like, put put Hurt's character in The Storyteller next to McShane in, say, like, Pirates of the Caribbean 4. You'd be like, yeah, these two have seen some shit. Also, this one of them, one of them's gonna dog shit. One of them's going to make me... <laughs> Why am I watching Pirates of the Caribbean 4? Could be worse. You could be watching Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Oh, fuck. Um, so... Oh, mint. But that's cool. That's interesting casting. Do we know any of the other big players in this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of dribbling David info, Harbour isn't as, it? Uh, as, uh... Hellboy, which is, again, good casting. Yeah. Um, wonder, I wonder who'll be Abe Sapien, if they'll go for Abe Sapien right away. Doug Jones. I would. Again. <laughs> Just tweak the prosthetic design, and you could be like, oh, it's a brand new guy. We swear. <laughs> Did we mention the, the trail on the subject of Abe Sapien? Did we, we didn't mention the trailer for The Shape of Water last week, did we? No, we did not. I, new, I hadn't seen it at that the time. The new Guillermo yeah. del Toro movie that's basically what if um, deaf Sally Hawkins, or mute Sally Hawkins, hooked up with Abe Sapien and broke him out of prison. Is it Doug Jones? I, I, I would assume so. I've not looked it up. I'm going to look it up. But what if uh, uh, mute Sally Hawkins broke Abe Sapien out of jail in a sort of Bioshock-esque world? What if it's a, what if it's a Hellboy prequel? I would watch the shit out of it. I'm going to watch the shit out of it anyway. You know what? But I would watch the shit out of it with an extra layer of... Mm. It is Doug Jones. Of course it's Doug Jones, because Guillermo del Toro knows what he likes. And what it he likes is seven foot two scrawny actors who can wear prosthetics and not complain. Oh man, it's Doug Jones. Oh, Great awesome. cast though. It's Doug Jones, Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon, Michael Stuhlbarg, Octavia Spencer, Richard Jenkins. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I can't, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, um, this week on Matt Reads, the IMDb oh, cast list love IMDb. for a Guillermo del Toro project. Oh, I love it. Everyone's Haunted Mansion. Krampus, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, everyone's favorite Krampus. Um, When's he going to make the Haunted Mansion movie? I want it now. Never. I want it now. Because he wants Ben Affleck for it, and Ben Affleck's just signed on to four more DCU movies. Ladies and gentlemen. There comes a time in nearly everyone's life <laughs> where they look at the luscious bounty that they have brought upon themselves, something they've worked so hard for and strived to achieve, but glance across the leaps and bounds that have brought them to this place and wonder, we were so preoccupied with whether we should. We never stopped to think if we could Wrong way around. You can't have the wrong way around. You fucked um, that up, didn't you? Basically, <laughs> when Ben Affleck was first announced, I think I think our collective response we talked about it near the time. We were both like, I mean, yeah, 
might be good. Yeah, it might be all right. Let's let's see what the film's like. And then we saw Batman v Superman, and he was not the problem with the movie. No, no, there's problem with the characterization. His Batman was a big problem. Yeah, Yeah. like not his take. He he did good with what he was given. Yeah, I think so. He might be fun in Justice League. I don't care really. Just like a bat. I mean, I dig it. It was much easier when we were fighting exploding penguin. That never that happened never happened in this world. Batman. No fucking way. It never happened in no this world. No way. Don't try and say, tell us you had fun adventures. Actual penguins that exploded, maybe, uh, but not exploding clockwork penguins. And they weren't even, they weren't even uh, remote controlled or anything by the penguin. He just went into the zoo, beat them to a pulp in front of the children, and then left. No. And yeah. then branded the zookeeper. Yeah. Um... But there was doubt last week, pre-Comic-Con, that Ben Affleck was going to continue in the role. Rumours abound that he was going to leave after Justice League. Yeah. Then he non-definitively denied the rumours by basically going, I love playing this character. Yeah. So everyone went, woo! But that didn't answer the question. It just did if you didn't read into it. Well, it looks like he might be sticking around. In a trilogy? Apparently he's sticking Plus a Justice League sequel. For uh, Matt Reeves' The Batman trilogy. Ugh. Plus Batman Beyond. Ugh. So we'd be getting... Isn't this weird? So we'd be getting uh, old, Bat- old Ben Affleck as old Bruce Wayne in a Batman Beyond movie. This is so strange. This is so strange. How is this strange, Christopher? Rewind five years and tell little me that... You went that little five years ago, mate. Rewind five years and tell me with, like, an inch off his waist. No, no, I mean, like, you were a full-grown man. You were an adult. Oh, I was 21. Yes. Rewind five years and say to little old 21-year-old, not as obese me, go back (laughs) and say to him, Chris, I know you watched Dark Knight Rises. I know you enjoyed it when you went to watch it in the midnight screening, but it was midnight synced up with the US. You were watching it at like half four in the morning. But don't go with Matt for that KFC binge. You will regret it when you're older. Oh God, no! Let's go now. And so will Matt. Let's go now. <laughs> um, like, but I said, I know you've had a week to think about it, and you realise the Dark Knight Rises ain't that great. But it's a bit silly, isn't it? It's so dumb. It's a bit silly. But here's the thing. You're going to go and see a new series of Batman movies. In like seven years' time, a new series is going to start. Brand new series of Batman movies. Not only that, you're going to get three films and a Batman Beyond movie. 21-year-old me would have said, my God, we get fat. And also, holy shit, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. Fast forward to now, in a post-BVS world. I don't want this. I want Batman cinematically to fuck off. You don't think this can be salvaged? I think this can be salvaged. I don't, because it's... The template has been laid down already. And as much as I like Matt Reeves as a filmmaker, you've seen War for the Planet of the Apes by now. Yes, yes, very good. I'm seeing it tomorrow. It's very good. I look forward to seeing it. But, like, those stories stories aren't... No, no, but those stories also aren't... um, Positive, like po- positive, isn't a word you'd associate with them if you were doing say like a, give me five words that sum up the Apes trilogy. There's a bleakness to those movies. Yes, there's an element of despair to yeah. them. Uh, tragedy is a big part of the characters' arcs, be it human or ape. So I'm not going into these Batman movies expecting rip roaring adventure and hijinks and giant typewriters and everything. But at this point in time, that's what I'd want to make me give a shit about a Batman movie. 
Yeah. So knowing that Warners are doing that thing that all greedy film studios do and just going, yeah, here's four movies. Go make four movies for us. Off the bat, without even seeing what it... Off the bat, very good. Without even seeing what it's like, just fills me with despair. Because I'm like, we're yeah. just going to get three grim, dark Batman movies with Murder Man. And, oh, God. I just... I'm so surprised. And there'll be people listening now going, oh, you DC hater. Guys, guys, piss off. I adore these properties and I yeah. want to enjoy the films. Yeah. But I don't. And I can just see that projection. I think you're a little bit more positive about this, though. I've got that sense that you're I, you're a little more optimistic when I it comes to the Matt The thing I think about um, this Batman trilogy is that they can write the ship. Were I doing this? Were I shepherding were you the Batman? Matt Reeves. Was I Matt Reeves? Which I'm not, because we've got different surnames. Also, I'm not a successful film Is that director. how it works? Yeah, like, if you have a different works. surname, that's you, what makes you not the person. same person. Oh um, my god, that could be Christopher Eccleston with a change of a few what? letters. What? What I would do is I would use this Batman trilogy mm-hmm. to take a Batman who's realised that he's gone too far, tries to adjust, and then falls off the deep end and has a Dark Knight Returns style fall from grace. And then use that as a jumping off point for Batman Beyond to help him impart the lessons to a new Batman and without, and avoiding him making the same mistakes that he did as Batman and have him sort of serve, as, serve that as a sort of penance for all the mistakes he made when he was Batman. Right. And all the bad and all the, you know, he did good but there was also a balance that he did a lot of bad and did a lot of things wrong so if you see that, <clears throat> if you see that fall, yeah, that realization and fall through a trilogy, then he has a jumping-off point for Batman Beyond, and he's like, "You can do this better than I ever did," and I'm going to show you how because I owe it to the city, and I owe it to these people. Can that shit happen in just the third chapter of this trilogy? And can we just have two movies where wacky shit happens? I mean, yeah, that'd be nice. But Wait, like he's gone too far, I need yeah. to rein it in. So let's have two movies where he fights frickin' Mr. Freeze and, like, the Riddler. Like, let's just have some real... Fu- like, now's the chance as well for them to take back villains that aren't looked back on fondly because of shit movies and do some cool stuff with them as well. Um, But fuck me sideways. I just... I don't know. I hope it pans out like you're describing because that would lead to a decent Batman Beyond. Again, Batman Beyond. I don't want to know Batman Beyond's coming. I'd rather be surprised by that. I'd rather in ten years, and me going, yeah, do you know what? Those three Batman movies are pretty solid. Then they go, right, well, we know we said Ben Affleck had retired from the role. Yeah. He's coming back for one more. Because in five years' time, you're getting this. Like, I'd be like, yes, bitch! That'd be cool. I don't know. But yeah, so, Affleck is in. And apparently he's in for quite a bit. How long he quit? Um, Halfway through the filming of the yeah, sequel to Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Batman. The Batman. The, the Batman. Batman. The Batman. Um, <laughs> the Bat. <laughs> Today we also got our... Um, Quiet! 
We also got our first look at um, one of the new leads for Deadpool 2. Is it a giant chimichanga? No. Then I refuse to show up. Good sir. We got... Until at least the second screening of the opening night. Our first glimpse of Zazie Beats. Now, before you even say the character, can't her character just be renamed that? That's a fucking great name. And while we're at it, can't every character she ever plays just be called Zazie Beats? Yes, please. What, is it Beats with a Z at yes. the end? I want her name. <laughs> I want to be called Zazie Beats. She's our domino. And we now know she know what, what she looks like as Domino. She looks the she looks the dog's fucking bollocks, mate. She looks, she looks brilliant. So Domino is you're an X Man. And you're an X Men man. Domino's from X Men originally, right? Or yes. the with the X books, certainly X-Force, she's from that world. What are her powers? Um she is a like top level trained hand to hand fighter and assassin gunplay person, but um, primarily, she has um, look-based powers. Sort of like Longshot? Yes! Let me look I can't believe I don't remember Domino's powers, but uh, I remember she, Longshot. She's not like... She's not, the she's... three-fingered... Fu- yeah. Well, you know. Um, <laughs> Did you only have three fingers in Ultimate? Oh, I think you might have done. Um, but traditionally, she's usually in like a sort of... Like cat suit slash combat suit. Yeah, yeah. She's got like pale white skin with she's, a big black. She's um, pure white with yeah. a black spot over one of her eyes, like a like black a dalmatian. Hair. Yeah, um, and she's usually seen wielding some form of uh, firearm. Uh, she has or two. She has enhanced reflexes and agility with subconscious telekinetic probability manipulation. So it's sort of look power in that she can tweak things without really realizing it. She gives herself good luck and her opponent's bad luck, basically. Okay. I'm down with her. Hmm. She's in Deadpool. Deadpool 2. Don't know whose side she is yet. I guess we'll find out in the story. Um, but she's played by... Zazie Beats. Um, and they've sort of... Inv- so, Zazie Beats is... Um, she looks like she's mixed race. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so... She, she's not... She's not she's Caucasian. Not yeah. Um... I'm not sure of a, a, a... Let me... Again. What's her exact ethnicity? She is... Um, dingle. Gadinga, dingle, 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 Not that it matters, but just in the interest of... Um, what do we call it? Of accuracy. Yeah. Um, do, 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 do. We are nothing if not inaccurate. I mean, accurate. Damn it! Uh, oh, she's German-born. Oh. Wait, that's a... Ger- so Zazie Beats is a German I name? I guess so. That is amazing! Yeah. Zazie Beats. Oh, yeah, when you say but, the German accent, it sounds more aggressive and frightening. But basically, what they've done is they've made it. They've made her, her spot pure white. Yeah. So it looks like vitiligo, which is great. Like a, like yeah. A, like a pigmentation uh, thing, which is really. I think it's a really smart way which, of of doing that of, of making that character look really cool, and also her eyes a different color. Yeah. So I think but, it's a really smart way of of making that doing characters that, look. Cool doing that with the skin film. as well would be a genius idea because again, it's just sort of something where and you know there should ne- there should never be your main driving force between a creative choice, but happy benefits obviously. Um, like people with that condition could be like, oh yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. there's a superhero who's badass who's got that as well. That is cool. Um, plus, she's keeping her original hair because Domino usually sort of has like short, like slick, short, straight hair. black hair. Yeah. Uh, she has got a big. Floofy afro on her head. 
which just makes a sort of in the promo image especially kind of gives off that misty night kind of vibe, you know, yeah, the comics, which I think is really cool. She sort of looks kind of funky, um, mostly because it looks like she's packing a shit ton of attitude. Oh yeah, in the promo image, which yeah, Ryan yeah, Reynolds she's... tweeted out. So the, during Deadpool's promo, there's that wonderful image of him just lay like kinkily by the fire. One of the main promo images of that of that advertising campaign. Just chilling out, being like, "Hey, ladies," in his all over bodysuit covering his mutated face. And in the new promo image, he's not on a bearskin rug. She is lay on a clearly skinned, if not flattened, Deadpool. Um, that is a badass promo image. Yeah, it's really cool. So, I'm excited about this. I don't know too much about the character. I, I just know what I've seen in the occasional bit of X content. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Zazie Beats, Zazie Beats, Zazie Beats does with the character. That's such a cool image. She looks so cool. She looks so... Um, Something standing there in her American apparel underwear. Terrible lyrics from a terrible band. Um, sold American apparel though. She isn't wearing underwear. But I am. And it's a good thing too, because this week I shit myself with excitement. <laughs> uh, and you don't want to do that naked. Uh, no, no. When we found well, out. Oh, maybe you do. Depends where you are. <laughs> Backdoor bukkake. Uh, <laughs> Last week we found out for definite that Rick and Morty had a home in the UK for its new season broadcast. Yes. We knew that it was going to be coming out from the 30th of July. June? July? July. July. It's July this month, mate. Well, oh, August God, month. is it? Does it have to be? It's August now. We found out it's we were August like, now, I, know, I know, I don't like it. Jesus. We found out, we were like, oh my God, so great, it's coming out like in a couple of weeks. And then last week, it was official, Netflix UK will be the broadcasting home for Rick and Morty season three. Now. To reiterate, yeah. Episode 2 of it has not gone onto Netflix at the time of recording. But episode 1 certainly has. Now, we saw the Rick Shank Rick Demption earlier in the year, yeah. so we'll talk about that in a moment. Because, welcome to a new weekly segment, Mother Lumpers. Mother Lumpers. We're going to be following Rick and Morty to the ends of the multiverse and beyond. This is the weekly squanch. The weekly squanch! So, to start us off, where the hell did you discover Rick and Morty? Uh, my girlfriend. And where the hell did she discover Rick and Morty? Uh, I have no idea. And where the hell did no idea discover Rick and Morty? I have no idea. So what happened the first time she showed it to you? Um, we were on a we were on a coach, on a little getaway, and she had basically the whole first season on her iPhone, <laughs> and we watched like five episodes in a row, and it was fucking awesome. So she's like headphone it's, in each, yeah. just like it's so good. She's like, are you gonna watch this thing? You're like, what the hell is this? She'd been talking to me about it. And I was like, oh yeah. yeah. I'll check it out, check it out, check it out. And then she, we finally had the chance for her to just show it to me. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically, for those of you who don't know Rick and Morty, it's... Morty is a 14-year-old boy from a seemingly normal suburban family, mum, dad, older sister. Um, and his crazy grandpa, Rick, <laughs> who is an insane inventor... And mad genius alcoholic who has a flying car made out of garbage and a, a portal gun that can take him to other dimensions and basically all manner of weird science contraptions. And Morty gets dragged along on weird adventures with Rick. <laughs> it's... I think it started off as a... As a Back to the Future parody. As a cartoon short. Yeah. yeah that, that was that was basically about drunken Doc Brown. And, Doc and, and, Doc and Marty. And Marty, yeah. yeah. Which is Rick and Morty. Yeah. Like, it's, it's almost 
It's, it's literally just like a couple of letters changed. For I mean, them. M- Morty bears little resemblance to Marty McFly, but but Rick is basically a, a, a an alcoholic, violent Doc Brown. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically. Like if Doc um, Brown wasn't this whimsical dude, alcoholic. Oh, he's all, they're also related, so them hanging out in malls at eleven thirty p.m. at night is less creepy. Well, yeah, he's an alcoholic, violent, sociopathic, sexually deviant. Um, addict, addicts. Um, uh, he's a criminal on the run from the Galactic Federation. He's seen some dark shit. He's pulled the trigger on some dark he's seen shit. Some things. Right, he'd wipe out a species if it meant he could like just get the last freaking Klondike bar. Like he, <laughs> what would you do bar. for a Klondike bar? Commit genocide. I commit genocide. Like, he he wouldn't give a shit because his excuse would be, well, they're alive in another universe so it's fine it's okay besides i'm hungry get me the bar would you would you commit multiversal genocide for a klondike bar fuck yeah um so you binge watched a bunch on the coach yeah and then and then it's just been heavy rotation ever since when season two came out we watched that as it came out and yeah you you brought it to me you oh yeah brought we, it we brought it to you i think with with you brought uh, a hard with... drive over for something else and yeah and while you were there i think it should, they brought it over for lou to get something and then I think you, so. and there was simpsons wasn't it and then she has a bunch of simpsons episodes oh, she had a bunch of, i think it was before the fire yeah so. <laughs> ominous for everybody at home. Yeah, yeah um so you then went by the way put rick and morty on oh yeah and um, i was like all right we just watched the pilot i turned my ps3 on and i put rick and morty yeah i think i think we, you showed us the pilot i watched it i just went Holy shit. It blows your mind. Oh my god, because the pilot is probably the most straightforward episode of the show. Yeah. 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 It's it's basically just, like, Rick steals Morty, like, Beth and and Jerry, Morty's mum and dad, are a bit annoyed that he's spending so much time with Rick and that he's apparently, like, missed school a couple times because of adventures. So they basically see it grounded. And Rick manages to sneak Morty away for one more adventure. Into a multiverse, into a universe where they need to get hold of some mega seeds. Because if they get hold of the mega seeds, it'll have something to do with proving that it's okay that he can go on adventures or whatever. And then, like, chaos ensues all the way. Like, Morty breaks his legs because he doesn't switch on these anti grab boots. Where does he have to hide the mega seeds? Where does he have to? Right up his ass. Right up there. Because Rick's already, like, Rick, Rick describes as, like, he's had to carry stuff before. Like, he's got no. Sort of grip left, like he's, he's loose. And these seeds are like the size of a small American football, like yeah, the kind of American yeah, football yeah. you'd give to, to kindergartners to practice with. Um, and then they go through security and they get apprehended. It's a chase through the airport and all this stuff. Like it's mental. Meanwhile, if I remember correctly, there's not much of a subplot in that one with Beth, Jerry, and Summer. I think it's just sort of. Simple at home. Yeah, they, they don't it's really... them chasing up with the teachers trying to find out more about Morty Skive in school. They don't really start to dwell on Beth and Jerry and Summer until the second half of the first season. Yeah, I mean, they get they get good yeah. episodes, like, good plots in the first half, but yeah. And then, and then uh, the anyways, it's, when, it's when we cross to a different movies. universe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, that's, that's the plot of episode one. We watched it, and I was like, this is the most mental, uncomfortable, kind of dark... Funny I mean, shit. dark, darkly funny. Mm. Certain episodes push how dark it is. So that episode was great, and I was like, right, cool, yeah, let's do it. And I put the whole season on my PS3. Uh, it's had to go since because of freaking like PlayStation Plus games that I was playing. But also, it's all on Netflix now, so. Wubba lubba, motherfucking dub dub. Yeah. Um, so 
that was why I got into it. And what, what Lucy and I did was we watched like another two that night. And then over the course of the next night and a bit, we binged the rest. Because it's 11 episodes in season one. Like we binged the rest. Yeah, cause it's pilot, pilot, and, there's pilot then an order of ten. Of course. Because the first proper episode is is um, is the one with uh, Snowball. Yeah, 11 in, 11 in season one, 10 in season two. Where are my testicles, Summer? They were removed. Where, where have they, they gone? <laughs> Just oh, Let's touch on some favourite apps. I think we'll probably do a full episode um, at some point, but like, yeah. what sort of ones stand out to you? I mean, series one... A Lawnmower Dog, which you have just mentioned, is, Lawnmower Dog's is amazing. fucking great. Because again, like, Rick and Morty are the subplot of that episode. Yeah. Like, they're not the main plot. Like, like what's going... Well, they are, supposedly, because it's episode two, and you're obviously like, yeah, let's see what Rick and Morty do today. Yeah. But by the end of the episode, it's like, no, the plot's about the dog, and dogs taking over the world, and, and Jerry and Beth and Summer having to cope with it. And... Meanwhile, all the, all the while, that's the episode where they're... Inceptioning Morty's math teacher. So that's where they are. That's, that's where they the, are. Uh, that's the um, scary Terry. Yeah, yeah. Which that's is the, where they the, are. The Freddy Krueger. Oh while god. The, yeah. While the while the dogs with enhanced intelligence and exosuits are taking over the human world. <laughs> <laughs> like rubbing rubbing humans' faces in their mess <laughs> and just like. Oh god. Oh god! It's so good. It's so good. Good run, but you get high, bitch. Um, scary Terry. Scary Terry. The um, <laughs> is the call it? Is the I don't need. No, is it? You don't know me. Then let me get to know you, Mrs. Pancakes. Mrs. Pancakes. <laughs> All oh, the dream levels, the teacher's so head. It just there's the Inception in Inception and in Inception in Inception. It's like a dumb movie. <laughs> Inception's great. Shut oh up. God, oh. that's great. But but like yeah, episode... nothing is safe from a good mocking. As oh well, God, by no. the way. Um, episode three is a big standout for me. That's the one with Meeseeks. No, that's Anatomy Park. Episode three. Oh, episode three is Anatomy Park. Meeseeks oh, episode... and Destroy is four? episode five. Episode five. Oh God, what's yeah. four? Uh, M Night Shyamalan's. It's the uh, one with the David Cross alien. A simulation <laughs> inside, inside a simulation. simulation. My man. Um, yeah, so good. Uh, okay, the Meeseeks episodes are my favourites because. Not because of the Meeseeks plot, although I love the Meeseeks, because that's the, again, that's I mean, the subplot, that's, but that, that's, like, they've all that's got, the Beth, Beth Jerry, and, and some have problems, and mm-hmm. Rick is like, right, while I'm gone, press this box, a Meeseeks box, you press it, and Meeseeks appears, you tell him what you need to help with, he helps you out, and then he goes away, he disappears. So Beth's like, I, I need to have a psychological talk about my unhappiness and my marriage. Yeah, I want to feel more complete. Yeah, and the Meeseeks helps, and disappears. Someone wants to be more popular at school, the Meeseeks helps, and it disappears. Jerry just wants to take two strokes off his golf game. And it ain't working. And he ain't listening. <laughs> and he's getting too stressed. So the Meeseeks calls on the help of another Meeseeks, who also can't help. Who also can't help with that. And by, like, the next day, there's about 50 of the fuckers there's in the living army room. Of, a small army of Meeseeks growing who just can't get... Who just can't take uh, those two strokes off Jerry's golf game. And they're, they don't, they're not usually alive for this long. <laughs> Existence is pain to a Meeseeks. The Meeseeks is to live, solve a problem, and then to die, and that's what they want to. That's what they're yeah. born to do. That's what they want to do. That's what they're happy to do. So when Jerry gives up and he's like, "Great, one of you has basically talked my wife into possibly divorcing me. I'm going to go on a date and try and make things better." The Meeseeks go insane, track him down, and take hostage like the chefs and patrons of the restaurant. 
and violently demand Jerry's death because that's the only thing they can think of to get rid of their own existence is to kill Jerry and then there's no one for the task to be completed to and then they'll all die. They don't know if it's going to work but they'll damn well try it. But the main plot is the darkest one in the show for my money because it isn't until a certain moment. The Rick and Morty story... Yes. Is Morty's getting bored of Rick putting him in danger, so Morty wants to choose the adventure. And Rick's like, no, that's not how it works. And and Morty's like, right, okay, I'll choose the adventure, and if this adventure isn't good, then I never get to pick one again. But if, if we have a good time, I get to pick, like, every fifth adventure. And Rick's <laughs> like, okay, fine. So they go into full-on adventure territory. They go to, like, a, a, a poverty-stricken village in a kingdom, who the, and the giant is taking all of their food and, and, and livestock. So they scale a freaking beanstalk and they go up steps. They go to the giant's castle and they accidentally kill the giant. And the wife finds them and they get trapped and the giant police get called on them. Next thing you know, they're in giant court, which is great because essentially they've murdered a giant. Eventually a giant lawyer rocks up and like is their defense and like works out a clause and gets them out of it. They're set free. Uh, they've got to go down the steps. Halfway down these giant steps, they found a tavern and they go and stop off for a drink. And Rick's basically like, "Look, your adventure sucked, Morty. Like, this is we're done." And Morty's like, "No, no, we're gonna find something. There's always adventure here and this and the other." While Rick finally gets acclimatized and starts drinking, playing games with everybody, Morty goes to the bathroom and is stressed and has a heart to heart with this this uh, round like blobby guy who's, who's washing his hands. Uh, and then the guy starts rubbing his shoulders. And then he starts to force himself upon him. Yeah. And we basically get a near sexual um, assault scene. Like, well, it is a sexual assault scene. Yeah. But, like, it nearly obviously goes to a very, very dark place where you're like, no, don't do this show. Don't yeah. do this. Luckily, it doesn't. You get the brilliant moment of Morty just beating the shit out of the guy with the, like, getting trapping his head in the toilet and beating him with the toilet lid. And then he leaves, and suddenly, the episode isn't so funny anymore. It's just really upsetting. Yeah. That was when I was like, the balls on these guys. Oh my god. And then, of course, you get a payoff. Like, you get the payoff. It's one of those rare moments where you notice that Rick actually does care about his grandson. And then you get the nice payoff at the end where Rick freaking shoots the guy when they arrive at the town. Because they find out he's the king of the village. And then the post credit scene is the statue of King Jellybean and one of the like put up in his in his memory and one of the one of his like staff members or whatever has found a box full of essentially child pornography. Yeah. And they freaking the other guy like burns it or whatever and he's like, No, like we can't tell the people, like they need to remember the king that inspired them, not the monster that he really was. And you're like What is this show? Well, you find out exactly how dark this show can oh, get with the next episode. God. Is that the... Um, Rick Potion number nine. The, the Cronenberg? Yeah. Oh, my God. Is that, your, is that one of your faves from series one? I... Because that is a pretty solid It's not episode. my favourite it, it's, it's the classic. It's one, the classic yeah. love potion storyline, basically. Like, Rick... Morty has Rick put together a love potion so that, like, Jessica, the girl at his school, will... It's not It's not like outright love, it's sort of like, she'll find me a bit more attractive Just to talk to me. No, it's a love potion. It's straight up love potion. It's a straight up love potion. Yeah. <laughs> I am what you call... Jessica's feet. Jessica's feet. <laughs> Skipping ahead there. Uh, Fair enough. Um, oh, God, that's so fun. Um, yeah, the love potion, unfortunately, like, uses some DNA from a praying mantis. Yeah. 
And it starts to turn people into mutated praying mantis creatures. Because it turns out someone has the flu. Yeah, and, and it mixes with the, the yeah. love potion. And that's no good. Um, as the flu-hating rapper tells us. Um, <laughs> he's the flu-hating rapper. Yeah, that gets pretty dark. Yeah. Especially when the everyone at the school dance starts to sort of... They're not mutating yet, but they're all obviously starting to fall creepily in love with Morty. I love Morty. And I hope Morty loves me. I want, was it want to wrap my arms around him and feel him inside me? And you're like, oh my god! Yeah. So they get the hell out of there and Rick tries to make it better by changing the, the, the what formula. What does your son smell like? Oh god. Because Beth, Jerry and Summer are unaffected because like direct blood relatives. It's not happening to them. So they're having to fight their way out of a world of increasingly mutating people who basically want to have sex with and then eat Morty. So it's just freaky as hell. And then it gets dark because the episode ends with them arriving in a dimension where they just died. Like, they yeah. just escape. They leave to a dimension where Rick and Morty in that dimension have just blown themselves to death. Like, with explosion in the garage. They bury the bodies, replace them, sit back down, and they just sit down to breakfast, isn't it? And Rick just immediately slips into routine of like, da-da-da, eating cereal. And Morty's just sat there staring into the abyss yeah. as he eats breakfast with a family he doesn't really know because he's not lived in this dimension. This dimension is apparently exactly all, the same all, exactly the same up until the point where they died. Yeah. And it's like, oh God. And that was what was brilliant because that was the thing that gave the show its first hint that there was continuity in Rick and Morty. Because it's 22 minutes of daft sci-fi adventures and you know animated comedy. Yeah. And then a few episodes later, in probably the standout episode of series one, let's be perfectly honest, um, which is, God, what's it called? It's, which it's one is it? the first interdimensional oh, cable episode. Rick's yeah, my hands, down, hands down my favourite episode of season one. The standout it's episode so of the good. You get that revelation toward the end where Summer like, believes that she does, shouldn't exist, that she was an accident and everything, because in other dimensions, like, she's not there. There's a lot of other dimensions. There's like one where they're playing Yahtzee, yeah. and that's it. And, and now everyone seems depressed. Yeah. Um, and her parents in all these other alternate dimensions that they're gazing into are happy without being parents. Although we later find out that that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, well, yeah, there's, there's more to it. But, like, she feels disenfranchised and, and sort of, you know, her, like, you know, she feels like she's a mistake. And that's where Morty sort of points out to her the futility of focusing on the problems in life. And you should just focus on the things you can do and the things that make you happy. Because every morning... He eats breakfast, staring at his own grave. And they just flat out say, like, over, I buried myself over there. I'm not your brother. Like, uh, your brother is out there dead in the lawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what is it? Life is short. We're all going to die someday. Just come watch TV. And it's, it's this weirdly and optimistic, what, depressing message, but what TV? What TV? So, basically, <laughs> what this is, is... Well, what's the premise in the episode? The premise, the premise in the episode, in the episode is, is Rick's that... bored of TV, so he fiddles with the, the cable. Oh, no, basically, everyone's arguing about that the TV's terrible. Yeah. They're watching the, the Bachelorette or something. Yeah. Um, and so so Rick goes, fuck this. We're going to watch some decent TV, and he rigs the cable box so he can get cable Channels from any from... dimension. Yeah. <laughs> and basically... They just sit and watch ser- TV. Yeah, they just yeah. sit and watch TV, but it's a series of... Uh, Basically, little skits that are 
just been improvised in the voice booth and then animated after the fact. Yeah. To the point where you can hear Justin Roiland <laughs> losing his just shit. Two bro- it's just two brothers. <laughs> it's just two brothers. <laughs> uh, Alien Invasion, Tomato Monster, Mexico, Tomato Brothers, we're just regular brothers running a van from an asteroid and all sorts of things that move it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's at a point where, at one point... But these Marty two brothers, says, you don't even want to know. <laughs> they got a special bond. Marty says, it seems like TV from other dimensions has a somewhat looser feel to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an almost improvisational tone. <laughs> We've got Anthony Myers Johnson. Oh, God. He's um, got so many microwaves. So many TVs. At least he thinks they are. He Weekend at Dead, la- dead Cat Lady's House too. God, that trailer. <laughs> that trailer is horrific. But, but because the, everyone doesn't want to watch that, then he gives a headset to... Because they, they're flicking through and they see that Jerry... It was one of his dimensions. Yeah. Jerry is Jerry's a big actor, and, and he's in he's in that universe's version Hollywood. of Cloud Atlas. Yeah, <laughs> he's that universe's Tom Hanks. The big true true. It's <laughs> like no. Uh, so he so he gives Summer Beth and Jerry. A, okay, it's a like a viewfinder, and yeah. like a VR set, so they can watch themselves in other universes <laughs> and, and indulge in the narcissism, and that's what sends Summer off the deep end. Because um, yeah, like you find like you say, she finds out she's not. In, in like ninety percent of the dimensions, yeah. and in the one she is in, her parents um, are unhappy. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, it's just wonderful. I mean, Christ, what else? Uh, you got the turbulent juice, turbulent juice, strawberry smickles. Only men are coming in strawberry smickles. <laughs> um, the uh, fake doors store. Fake door. Oh my god! The official you got, car, you car of Mr. Sneezy three D. Um, oh my god, what else? Uh, there's that cat, like, pooping out spider web, and, and the teddy bear pooping out spider web yep. at the beginning. I want to see where this goes. <laughs> there's a guy eating shit. Literally, yeah, a guy literally eating shit. There's the one that gets all really quick, was that every proper noun starts with shmer. Yeah. Shmalangela, shlamantha. There's baby legs. Baby legs and regular legs. The, the detective show With, baby um, legs. Rob Paulson's yeah, regular, Rob Paulson's legs. regular legs. And it's like it's the only other, only character in these trailers that is played by someone other than like the two or three like writing, yeah. direct and producing team. Um, so I, you just wonder if they just went to him, right? Hi, Rob. I mean, uh, you we argue... just need you to say something like, "Don't worry, I'll help. I'm regular. Legs. I'm regular legs. I'll get him baby legs." And it's just as unsure as you would expect. It just sounds so odd. It's freaking brilliant. I'm regular, regular legs. Oh, I'm running. Oh, that's the sound I make when I'm, when I'm running. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you could argue there's a bit of ego at the production of Rick and Morty, considering Justin Rowland voices both the leads. Yeah, but but as long as it's funny, and it is, it is fucking funny. I don't give a shit. I love my grandkids. Um, so series one's got some doozy. Series in one. It. I mean, Rixty Minutes is the standout. Series two rocked up like what a couple of years later, a year and a half. There, there, was, a, there was a bit of a gap, wasn't yeah, there? There's been a big, there's a big, been big production gap between all three seasons. Series two is where I feel the sci-fi ramps up. Yeah, and it's important. Like, if you take the comedy away from mm. these, they would be like pretty solid sci-fi concepts and yeah. episodes. Like, it is a sci-fi show. Yeah, it's just piss funny. <laughs> it is Something piss up. funny. So time has frozen at the end of series one. To give them time to clean the house without Beth and Jerry telling after them off for after, after, after the pie. <laughs> With, uh, was it Abe, Abe, was it, 
Abraham Dolph Linkley, yeah. Oh my god. The half Abraham, half Abraham Lincoln, is that, half Adolf Hitler cyborg. Is that the first time you meet Bird Person as well? Yes, the House Pie episode Bird of the series person. one. Bird Person. Um, so, yeah, so, so time's still frozen. They spend six months, like, just titting about, getting up to mischief, pantsing people in a whole neighborhood, um, and, you know, cleaning everything up, watching yep. movies. And then they're about to reset time, but something goes wrong. And basically, every time Summer, Rick, and and Morty make a choice where they're slightly unsure, reality slips into two different dimensions. Yeah, it splits again. So on screen, you see them all in the garage, and then one of them does something, and then it splits into a split screen. Yeah. And one of them did something slightly different. So then that plays out exactly the same. Until one of them sort of is slightly different again in one of the screens. And then that splits, and then that splits into, into four. Like it, it multiplies by two like every time. And it's brilliant because obviously they're just playing back a bunch of the lines. They're doubling them up. But then there are different, slightly different reads of certain lines. So you can hear them and you're obviously like watching the screen intently to see where everything's going wrong. And this isn't a gimmick. This isn't just like, you know, one scene. This is the majority of the episode. Yeah. The universe keeps splitting up into these different versions of time. And then there's this freaky, like, time cop sort of thing. This testicle in a shirt, looks basically. looks like a testicle. Played by, uh, is it Keegan-Michael um, Key? And Jordan uh, Peele's the other one. so... I'd have to look it all Because, uh, yeah, because it's him basically doing his voice of... Um, Oh, what's his name? Is it Luther, the Obama's anger interpreter from the sketch <laughs> show? Um, it's freaking great. Like, it's just so mental. And again, it's like, this was the season opener. So if you'd never seen it before and you're like, oh, go on, let's give it a watch. They just smack you around the it's, face with this complicated sci fi. It's brilliant. Um, Schrodinger's cats are outside the house. Yeah, just floating around. Schrodinger's cats. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's brilliant. And then, like, series two again just continues on this madcap journey. Um, God, what else? What are the highlights of series two? Uh, Morty the Night U- Run. Morty Night Run. Which one's Morty Night Run? Uh, it's the one with Jermaine Clement as the as the gas pile. <gasps> yeah, fart. Goodbye, moment. So goodbye. Good. I communicate through what you call Jessica's feet. I mean, because <laughs> <laughs> that's the one with Blitz and Chits and Crabobulous Michael, isn't it? Yes. Because, like, Rick basically takes Morty on a trip where he sells a dangerous weapon to a hitman. Like, a really friendly one of the bug creatures called Crabopulous Michael. Um, and then they take the money to go play arcade games at Blips and Chits. And then Morty's like, no, I'm not having this. Like, you sold weapons to a killer. Like, I'm going to stop it. So he goes off in Rick's car to stop Crabopulous Michael's assassination attempt. And he finds out that it's this sentient gas cloud. So they go on the run, like, trying to get this sentient gas cloud back to its people. Yep. And the gas cloud's voiced by Jermaine Clement, and he's mildly psychic, and he can make people do stuff. So, like, when it comes to, like, evading the police, like, he makes one of them think about something depressing, that they crash the car. Yeah, and that just destroys the whole thing. Just like, oh, God. But then there's a much more sinister intent to all of it revealed toward the end. That's got... That's the episode that, like... When people say to me, what is it? Like, what does this Rick and Morty thing? The clip I always show them to give them an idea of what the show's like is from that episode. And it's the um, Roy sequence. Oh, Roy. Yeah. <laughs> Whether at the arcade 
with her at the arcade and basically Rick hooks Morty up to Roy one of the games like to shut him up <laughs> and his eyes just go into the back of his head and suddenly he's a young boy waking up from a nightmare where he was in space at an arcade with an old man and his mum tells him it's going to be alright it's okay oh, and you suddenly man. have this montage of the life of a man who goes from being a kid who starts to get into sports daydreaming in class he becomes an athlete he starts playing American football he's incredible at it he starts to move on with a sports scholarship and then after, like, you know, university and everything, it winds down and he gets an average job and then he gets cancer and he fights it and he goes into remission and he gets to a point where he's carrying on. The family celebrate the return of Roy the Rocket, his name from school. And then he gets a job back at the carpet place and everything's lovely and he's got a little trophy on the thing, a football trophy at his desk that says, number one dad. And then he goes down to get the shag down, like, I think they'd say like he's in his 50s or whatever. Yeah, he goes yeah. to get the shag down from the top of the rack and he slips, he falls, and he gets crushed by the carpet shelf and he dies. And Morty wakes up. <laughs> in the thing, he's like, wait, what? Wait, what? And Rick's looking at the screen of the game like, oh, what? Like, you beat cancer and then went back to the carpet store? <laughs> Christ's sake. Like, I'm just, and you're like, what the hell just happened? And Rick hooks himself up mid-conversation to totally thrash Morty's Roy score. It is. Yeah, he takes him off the grid. He's got no social security number. Oh, God. But that's the clip I show people. Yeah. And from that, I've had at least three or four people I've shown it go like, yeah, I I, I tracked it down after you showed me that. I wanted to watch the yeah. show. Because it sums just... up the style of humour and the level of sci-fi nonsense that you just get in a minute skit. Um... Other series two highlights. Uh, big really... Little Sanchez is that Tiny Rick? Really got no. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny Rick. Yes. Tiny Rick is great. Your vampire hunting. Um, he disguises himself as it deages himself into a clone body as a teenager, and then the body starts to fight back, and he wants to stay there. And then Rick's Rick's pleas for help start to come out during like songs and everything. It's really that's dark. Is that a, the subplot? Of that is the more Beth and Jerry got the marriage counselling on a different planet. Maybe because that's I pretty dark so. as well. Uh, let me. Like, check. That is amazingly dark as a subplot. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, that is so dark. Like they go to a marriage therapy place where basically they create your psyche's subliminal versions of what the other person is to you. Yeah, and it, it, it they sort of stress that like you know couples are obviously in a difficult place. Like it's not going to be pretty, but that's. That's what it's like. You don't really think this about each other. It's just on subconscious levels, thoughts get mixed up. So, like, couples are all imagining monsters, and the monsters are having a bit of a fight. And, of course, he's saying, you have to remember, like, this is just what happens when you let emotion get away with you. Like, you're better than this. La, la. But Beth turns into an alien queen-style creature. Like, that's yeah. her id, according to Jerry's mind. And Jerry's id is this weird little worm thing with his face. <laughs> and the Queen basically like, dominates it. They team up, they escape, and begin to kill everybody in the therapy facility. It's freaking amazing! Um, oh my god. But, oh god. Oh my god. Do you know what else from Series 2 as well? I really, really like um, the end, the one with the car engine. The car battery. Yeah, that's the one I was... Um, the rich must be, these rich must be crazy. I didn't like that one on first time watch. I was like, oh, it was fine. It's but so on reflection, smart. I love that one so much. So, so much. Because that's the one with, like... I mean... Oh, God. Beth and Jerry aren't in that one, are they, don't think? No. Um, that's the one where the main plot is the battery runs out in the flying car in one of the dimensions they're in. A dimension where it has the best ice cream in the world, like, in the multiverse. 
But there are brain spiders. Yeah, there are giant spiders that telekinetically like take over people's brains and yeah. are at war with mankind. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got to take the rough with the smooth. Yeah. Uh, but the car battery... They've just gone to see Ball Fondle as the movie. Yes. We, again, one of the few things that does recur completely throughout the entire show well, is Ball, Ball Fondle. great. Um, originated in the Cable episode. Yes. And uh, they... What's it? Rick's like, right, we need to fix the battery. And Morty's like, we'll just recharge or whatever. And just before they leave, Rick says to the car, it says, keep summer safe. And it's like, um, understood, keep summer safe. <laughs> and then Rick and Morty teleport into the battery. Because inside the battery is a microverse, which is full of a race of people who Rick created, came to them one day as an alien god, and told them that to create power for themselves, they need to all take part in like this regular sort of thing. I can't remember the call, uh, but like, it's... it's, it's it's like this thing they do with machines or whatever. It's like it's like their daily task. It's like, it's like, it's like a, uh, a pressure plate that you step, step down on. Yeah. And it powers their city. Yeah. And they're all completely happy. And they're all having a wonderful... It's like a utopia. That's the one thing they have to do. Um, and Rick is the alien that gave them this wonderful technology as far as I can say. Like, he just sticks dealy boppers on and goes down and visits them. Google boxes. That's it. But they've stopped doing it because they've found a way to create their own energy source now without having to do any of the work. Because their top scientist has created a teeny-verse <laughs> where he's created a universe <laughs> in which he yeah. visits it, gives them all a form of power. <laughs> and then he takes So, of course, that, Rick is yeah. trying to find a way to sabotage it or put doubt in their mind whilst finding out about this the first time. Because he's like, hang on. <laughs> Like, there's now a chain, and I'm the only one not benefiting. <laughs> but yep. the dimension inside that dimension has now started to discover its own form of power by creating an even because smaller Because of time accelerates the further you go down. Oh my god. So basically, it descends into the last scientist realising that he's not real. Like, he's been created just for this purpose. Yeah. And killing himself. Leaving um, Rick... Morty and what's the other scientist Zeep. called? Zeep. So they're stranded. From, from the first microverse, stranded in the teeniverse. Yeah. And they're screwed, so they obviously have to try and possibly find a way back to the main city, because they're like far out from the civilization. They're in the the other universe. They've got to get out of that universe back into the bigger one. Yeah. But it's of course two very smart, like scientists, two very smart, angry, violent scientists. Yeah. Um, realising that they're both at each other's mercy, so they're just trying to outdo each other and screw the other one over and piss them off. But add to that the fact that Zeke realises even he was created just to do this. So he's like got a vendetta against Rick now at this point. Plus, add to that the fact that Zeke's voiced by Stephen Colbert, so you've just got them like proper going yeah. at each other, but it's funny the whole time. It's mental, but the subplot of Summer trapped in the car... And the car finding various ways to defend her. Because at first it's like a drunk guy bangs on the window. Yeah, and it cubes him. It cubes him. <laughs> and then another guy comes over, like, so what the hell did you just do? He was just asking for change, whatever. She's like, don't kill, don't use lethal force. So the car's like, all right, don't use lethal force. It paralyzes the guy from the waist down. Yep. It's like the police surround the car, so it... Someone keeps pleading with the car not to do anything deadly. So it releases a gestation pod. Like, it reads the minds of, like, the yeah. chief of police. It releases a gestation pod, which births a small version of his child who died, like, a year prior in a, in a big um, shootout or something. I like, don't, they don't think they say they mention it. It mentions the clipping somewhere. I can't oh, remember how, but, but, like, he's, this kid is gone. Like, there's no way this yeah. kid can be around. This kid comes out, the, the officer's like, hold your fire! And he's like, oh, my God. 
He like, walks over to him. He's hooking him, and he's like, "Leave the car alone, Daddy." <laughs> what? What? Leave the car alone. It's just a melt. Yeah. And then the car's like, "I can give life, and I can take life away." <laughs> it's just like someone's just rocking back and forth inside <laughs> it. But by the time Rick and Morty get out of Zeep's universe, the car has like resorted to every non-lethal means possible. Like someone's told it to do this, not yeah. do this, not do that, not do that. That eventually it keeps Summer safe by solving the world, like the world conflict between the humanoids, priest treaty between the, the humanoids and the psychic spiders, the brain spiders. It's like, what is it? And then they finally go to enjoy the best ice cream in the universe, and it's got flies in it because it's created for everybody to enjoy. It's so good. It's great. There's a second interdimensional cable, not as funny as the first one. Like it's still funny. It does have. Venom How did I get here? How did she get there? Yeah, maybe don't stay by that coffee machine. <laughs> the subplot of that one's my favourite part, though. <laughs> Jerry's heart would be a perfect... No, Jerry's uh, penis. Jerry's, you know, so yeah, it's, um, what's the name of the... Shrimply Pibbles. Yeah. It's like this this giant... He's like a Nelson Mandela-esque figure in the galaxy. Voiced by Werner Herzog. Voiced by Werner Herzog. <laughs> I'm Mr. So-and-so, dick. Um, <laughs> like, uh, basically, he's dying, his heart's giving out, and the only thing that they can replace it with like to guarantee his prolonged life is an organ exactly like it which is funnily enough exactly like the human adult penis so they asked Jerry if like right we fixed you like as he came in unwell they said like would you give your penis to Shrimply Pibbles we'll give you a replacement yeah like we'll give you a replacement you won't you won't necessarily work it won't feel the same but like it'll function exactly the same and we'll let your wife look over the catalogue the best like of course you're not going to cut and then she sees what they can do and she's like oh um, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe don't rush this thought or anything, Jerry, but, but like, he is gonna die if you don't help him out. And, yeah, Because obviously Jerry's like, yes, I'll do it, cause he, but he's, he's too proud to not, to say no. He's like, yes, I'll do it. But then obviously he's like, what the fuck am I committed to? So we hope Beth will talk, talk them out of it. Be like, we make every decision together. If she says no, I'm sorry guys, I can't do it. Then of course she's like, yeah, do it. And realizes what he's doing, so sort of like challenges him. Do it, it just, it becomes so weird. Um, God, what else in series two? I'm probably off the top of my... <gasps> Total Recall. The Brain Parasite one. Yes. Yeah. I think that might be the best episode of the show. Um, maybe. On its own, like that. Just Total Recall is... They're sitting down to breakfast one morning. You know, like, Beth, Jerry, Summer, Morty, and, uh, Jerry's brother. Whatever he's called. Uh... Then Rick just comes in, shoots Jerry's brother point blank in the head. Yeah. And he turns into a wriggling... His cousin something... No, 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 cousin's the next one. Cousin Vinny's the next one. And it turns into a parasite and wriggles all over the place. And we're like, what the hell did you do? You killed him! And it's like, he wasn't real. Like, I know what these are. Like, someone's dragged... I think he implies that Beth dragged... Not Beth. Summer dragged them back on a shoe. Like, dragged an infant parasite on a shoe back from an adventure or something. Um, The idea is that these parasites get into your home... And they they survive by making you think they've always been there. Like they give off a pheromone that makes you just instantly be like, "Oh yeah, like yeah, of course, yeah." And they they breed through positive memory. Although you find that out later, but like the more you remember them, the more parasites are born. <laughs> so Mister Poopy Butthole pops in and is like, "Yeah, we'll make sure there's nobody else, Rick." Ooh wee! And of course, everyone at home's going. Oh, for fuck's sake. That, that is, that, he's in, he's in the title sequence. Yeah, well, he's, yeah. he's been retconned into the, the opening titles, and he's just this, 
this is this two foot tall like yellow sausage in shorts and a we've, t-shirt we've with a top hat in. have you got we've it got oh it's amazing oh my god oh. so Rick writes a six on a piece of paper sticks it to the wall he's like there's definitely just six of us and then the more they discuss why there's six of them, the, the more people start to appear. Mr. Beauregard. And it, start, yeah, it starts out as like Cousin Vinny, and then they start to become less human, like Photography Raptor, Pencil Vester. Pencil Ghost in a Jar. Hammerai. Hammerai. Oh my god, yeah. Reverse Giraffe. Yes, yeah. Oh god, what's the Amish one? Amish Cyborg? I think so, yeah. Um... Uh, Sleepy Gary. Sleepy Gary! Who is is Beth's actual husband, but based on their memories together, is having an affair with Jerry. And Jerry just lives in the house because he's known them for years. (laughs) I'd like that. (laughs) I like they've known each other for years. And it's just like, alright, so it's not like, it's not even like poly, is it polyagamous? It's not even polyamorous. Polyamorous. It's not even polyamorous. It's just, Jerry just lives with them. Because because of course, then that makes them think like, well, what if, why would Jerry be real? Why would we just have another guy living in the house? Yeah. And like... <laughs> they get that, smart, these fucking... And Summer has imaginary friends, like Tinkles and all of... All Tinkles of the unicorn. All of her uh, other Rainbow Bright-esque mascot chums. Yeah. And they're like, well, obviously, you know, we've never seen this Tinkles, so that's got, that's got to be fake. And then, like, Tinkles arrives with, like, the 80 other characters from the dream sequence. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, I guess they're real. What the hell? And, of course, Rick's the only one still doubting everything. So they all begin to turn on Rick because he's battened down like all the doors, like there's shields and shutters everywhere. And if they can sort Rick out, then they'll be able to get out into the world. It's genius because it's just watching the art team create just come up the some, most yeah. bizarre characters. Like just so bizarre. Like who's the Frankenstein one? Because there's a Frankenstein's there's so monster. Many in them. I can't even remember. There's a Frankenstein's monster who like served with Rick and Nam. And Fucking it man. just gets so out there. Oh, I love Total Recall is, is genius. And then the beautiful reveal at the end, of course, like the Morty tweaks that he only had positive memories of the fakes. Yeah. The real people he had bad memories of. Because he remembered, like, Rick was calling him a piece of shit and everything. And he realises... He remembers all this. and he masturbated. <laughs> yeah, and he remembers uh, Rick pushing him down the stairs at yeah. school and all this. So, like, he, he he grabs a gun, him and Rick team up, and they start killing people, and then someone starts helping him. And Beth starts helping, and Jerry cowers in a corner holding Sleepy Gary until Sleepy Gary is killed. And then you're like, no! And he's like, take me with him! <laughs> oh, God. Um, and it's just, like, really, really freaking weird. And then at the very end of the episode, they all finally settle down again. And Mr. Poopy Butthole, like, gets to the table, Beth eyes him suspiciously, and shoots him through the chest. And suddenly, in this cartoon show, where a character who's a two-foot-tall sausage in shirts, uh, shorts and a t-shirt, with a little top hat, suddenly, they portray a very realistic someone-has-been-shot sequence. Yeah. And it's horrific, because he doesn't turn back into a parasite, he's bleeding out in the living room, in the dining room, yeah. they're calling an ambulance, and they're asking him to stay with him, and obviously his delivery's amusing, but it's like, you know, is this what dying feels like? Ooh-wee! <laughs> like, and all this. And Beth just goes to the kitchen, shaking, just grabs the wine. Blood on her face. It, blood on her face, just pours wine into a glass, and just starts downing it. It's brilliant, it's just like, oh my god. And then the post-credit scene is one of those rare occasions the post-credit scene is a continuation of the last scene where they're visiting him in physiotherapy in hospital like a few months later and he's learning to walk again 
and he asks the nurse politely if they could go because they're all waiting to meet him in like the thinking room. She's like, if you love him, I think you need to let him go. He, he says he's sorry you don't have any bad memories of him. <laughs> and that's where they leave it. And it's just like, oh my god. <laughs> but let's briefly talk about the last episode of series two. Yeah. Because that was the one where they just, like, series one ends with them freezing time and stuff, and it's yeah. a funny moment, and then series two picks up with them about to unfreeze time and something goes wrong. But that wasn't, like, you could watch the start of series two and not have seen the end of series one and be like, oh, they froze time and they've been dicking about, and now they're going to put time back to normal. Yeah. With series three, you really have to have seen the series two finale to get the benefit for episode one. Yes. So Rick and a bunch of his cohorts are, like, known for massive crimes by the Galactic Federation. Turns out it might actually be more freedom fightery kind of things, like they're they're trying to fight against the oppression of the government, but maybe there's more to it, we still don't know yet. But Rick goes on the run after his friend's wedding, turns out to be an ambush. Um, takes the family with him and they live on the small planetoid. And after basically hearing like how he's ruined their lives from a distance, like he's listening in on them, he decides, fuck it, I'm gonna hand myself in. Like a character who just puts himself before everybody else goes. Yeah. Fuck it. So he leaves the planet, he gives, he calls the Galactic Federation claiming to be Jerry and says where they are and that Rick has gone to this bar somewhere and then he has his last drink and he steps outside, hands above his head, ready to be taken in. The family gets sent back to Earth, which is now overrun by the Galactic Federation, mm-hmm. who have made it quote-unquote better. Uh, everyone's employed working for the Galactic Federation, but everyone's fed a diet of pills. Yeah. The calendars are different, so Summer's now in her 30s. Um, and Rick li- uh, and Morty likes being 29 or whatever it is. Yes. Um, he's still clearly 14. But, like, Series 2 basically ends with, like, Morty never wanting to see Rick again. Summer thinking that maybe, you know, Rick has sacrificed his freedom to get them here. Beth sort of trying to just move on. And Jerry being absolutely delighted Rick is gone and the fact that he's got a job again. And yeah. it's like, screw Rick. Series 2 ends with Rick. A really cool cover of um, Hurt. Um, is it Hurt? The... Yeah. Who was it by originally? Who's the first Nine Nails originally. Nine Nails. I was thinking of the Johnny Cash version. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am a basic bitch. Um, but it's a really good cover at the end of the episode. And he goes into the into jail and like one of the other convicts is like, what are you in for? And he goes, everything. And that, that's the end of the show. And it was like, Oh. Apart from the post credit sequence where Mr. Poopy Butthole turns up to yeah. back. Turn, turn, oh, turn to the camera and is like, oh, what an ending, huh? Never me, Mr. Poopy Butthole. Episode he's taking, 204. He's taking his pain medication. Please help me get through the day. Ooh, And he orders a pizza and he's just like harassing the pizza guy. Like, what do you think is going to happen? He falls to the floor. He's like, find out Rick and Morty, season three, and year, two years. Maybe more. <laughs> well, that two years has passed. It was 2015 that last season. Yeah, uh, that two, nearly two years has passed. It's summer 2017. We've got it. Some now. This first episode originally went out on April Fool's Day in Adult Swim in the states. Yeah, basically, um, Adult Swim always play a prank on April Fools in some way. One, one of their most popular ones is just playing the room, <laughs> like three times in a row. That's just one, that's one of their favourite ones. They just play the room. Well, what they did with this <laughs> was played this on loop. Yeah. Unannounced. Yeah, because Rick and Morty Season 3, as recently as like three or four days before, someone had asked one of the creators online, 
when are we getting season three? That's people annoying with you all yeah. the time because they don't realise that it's going to be made before they tell you. Justin Rowland and Dan Harmon had come out, uh, I've been said like they were having trouble getting it finished. Yeah, and like they've, they've they, admitted it was yeah. their relationship. They weren't able to make things work and they were worried that they were rushing and they were arguing a lot about yeah, it. Yeah. And they didn't want it to go down the pan because of the stress of getting it out. Yeah. So they took a bit longer and it seems like they just needed that breather because I guess it's come sooner than I think they were anticipating. Pr- principal photographer <laughs> animation began early February this year. Yeah. And by April 1st, they had episode one. So, episode one goes out on Adult Swim. Uh, Adult Swim's lineup that night was like the usual lineup. It was had other things announced, but those programs were never meant to go on. It just played the first episode, the Rick Shack Redemption, on a loop for, I think it was six plus hours. It was, yeah, it was a while. So if you watched Adult Swim that night, you definitely caught episode one of season three. Yeah, and now it's up on Netflix. Yeah, it was put up on Facebook, several sites got hold of it, and they let it ride. They just let it stay online for ages, because they realised it was free publicity, I guess. But then about three weeks ago, it started getting copyright stricken and taken down and everything on YouTube and Facebook. People were like, oh, why have they left it? Like, Why why were they fine with it for so long? A couple of days later, the announcement came out. Yeah, Rick and Morty Season 3 drops in three weeks. Get ready. It's like, mm. okay. Now, as far as I know, in the States, they showed that episode again before the series premiere proper, which was Episode 2. Over here, Episode 1's up on Netflix as of this recording. Let's talk about it. Um... This is a continuity-heavy series opener. Oh, yeah. We open, like, I think they imply that it's a couple months after the end of Series 2. Like, Jerry's in the swing of his new job. Morty's got to the point where he's like, good riddance about Rick. Um, And Rick is at the point where they've started to interrogate him about some of his information. Because they're like, well, you're going to die in here anyway, you know, in jail. Yeah, he's got... um... We'll get some stuff from you. Nathan Fillion as one of the bug people. Yeah, is trying to infiltrate his <clears throat> mind. And Nathan Fillion playing uh, Cornvelius Daniel. <laughs> I like it. I like the naming <laughs> conventions for the aliens. Um, Cornvelius Daniel, yeah, like appears in basically a dream state for Rick, where he's imagining him and the family are at Shoney's having breakfast. <laughs> Shoney's is a real restaurant. Show, I know. And he's basically uh, just like, right, okay, you figured out this is a dream state. Okay, here's how it's going to go. I want to know how you created your portal gun. Yeah. Like, you're going to die in here at some point, so you may as well give us that information. We know you're not going to give it to us willingly, so let's just let's go through your memory. Let's let's find it together, you and me. Like, it's basically interrogation through friendly interaction. They're like, you're going to die. So eventually, like, while we're talking, you're eventually going to give up. You're mm-hmm. just going to show me where, where you got the portal gun. And if you don't, your brain's going to rot and die. So, sure, we don't find out, but you're dead. Whereas if we do find out, you know, we'll switch the machine off, put you back in your cell, you can live a bit longer, blah, 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 blah. Um, so Rick takes Convelius Daniel back to the day he invented um, portal travel. Which, based on what he shows him, is the day that his wife died. Now, we know that Rick was estranged from the family for a while, and he only just yeah. came back into Beth's life a few years ago prior yeah, to the yeah. series starting, So, which might be why Morty you know, goes along with a lot of it, because it's, like, it's the grandfather he never really knew, so he's kind of fascinated to spend time with him and get to know him. Um, and we get the idea that Rick is in, like, series one, we find out that his catchphrase, Wubba Lubba Dub Dub, actually means I am in a great pain. 
<laughs> and it's like, oh my god, I'm in great pain. So he's in he's in a really bad place. Um, and there's little nods in series two that he does really deeply care about Morty, Summer, and Beth in particular, but Morty the most probably because he looks at Morty's like you're me without the mistakes I've made. Yeah. Um, again, getting pretty deep for a silly cartoon. Uh, so <laughs> what's going on with this? Oh yeah. So like, but you get the suggestions that. He walked out on Beth when she was younger. Well, it's just, yeah, she says as much. Like he's he's been gone from Beth's life for a while. Yeah, and now we get the idea that maybe Beth's mother died when she was quite young, mm. and Rick left not long after. So we see a memory of Rick inventing portal travel because a future Rick appears through a portal to confirm the last calculations for himself to be like, look, here you go. This is when we invent it. Right, you're gonna be fine. See that kid, and this Rick's not so sure anymore. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, no, like I seem really disenfranchised and miserable and universe weary. I don't want. To... No, if this is what inventing this leads to, I don't want it. So he decides he's not going to do it. And then when his wife comes in, and they're going to head off to take Beth for ice cream, portal opens, a giant freaking bomb drops through the portal, blows up the garage. Rick survives. His wife dies. It's like, oh my god, are we seeing the origin? Yeah, it's literally a fabricated origin story. Yeah. The whole thing was fake. The portal, uh, uh, like, um, software and and, and uh, whatnot, technical doodads that uh, Cornvelius Daniel jots down, <laughs> actually puts a virus into the program that Rick's in so that Rick can take complete control of it, convince them that Cornvelius Daniel got the information he needed, and then he leaves the program and goes into Cornvelius Daniel's mind. Yep. And his body. In his body... And Convelius Daniel is stuck in Rick's body in limbo, and that body gets shot in the face not long after. So Rick, <laughs> as we knew him, is gone. But that's fine because he needs to take a shit. Because <laughs> he keeps just going through other body swapping through higher ranking people until eventually he gets to the Council of Ricks, who've gotten hold of Summer and Morty, because they make a brief trip into the Cronenberg fucked up universe. Oh, yes, there's a Council of Ricks, by the way. Yeah, oh my god. Just, it's so continuity heavy. But it works, I think, because it's a character piece. Yeah. It's about being disappointed in your heroes. Like, Summer's like, no, I believe my grandpa's still out there and we're going to save him. And Morty's like, leave him. He's a scumbag. It also like, works. It's not worth it. He leaves you behind. Like, so why should we... Why should we bother with him? It also works as a character piece because... Um, it's funny. Yeah. And work being continuity heavy because it's funny. Yeah. And works as high concept sci- sci-fi because it's funny. It works. It, all these things make it, that it, make it work work because it's funny. But when you sorry, I, sw- to I swallowed the, some ice. The, the revelation of the episode, which is a callback to the the rant that finishes off the pilot, mm. uh, um, is that. Rick's only been doing this. He's been doing all of this because he wants to get the 1998 McDonald's Mulan promotional Szechuan chipping dip, dipping chicken sauce. Nine more seasons until he gets that sauce. 197 more years if that's what it takes. He allowed himself to be captured by the Galactic Federation so he could get to the highest rank in order to turn the Galactic Federation's singular currency into zero value so the economy crashes from within almost immediately and also he's defeated his enemies 
He's replaced Jerry as the patriarch of the family because... Yeah, forces Jerry out of the family. Jerry like, is like, no, we can't give him a pass. He can't just come back and we all be fine with this. So Beth eventually is just like, right, that's it. Um, Jerry's going to be divorced for a while. So we need to go and talk about that. And you're like, oh my God, like, what the hell? And then Rick basically turns around to Morty and is like, yeah, I did all of this on purpose. I did all of this because I want that fucking Mulan McDonald session. <laughs> Don't care how long it takes, Morty. I'm going to get it. And it's terrifying. It's like, oh my God, what the hell? I love the show. I love the show so much. If you guys have been watching Rick and Morty, email in and let us know about it. Bigdamncontact at gmail.com. Let us know what your favourite episodes are. Please let, do. Let us know what you're watching. If you're watching Series 3 and what you think of Series 3. We're going to be talking about it every week. 100 years, Rick and Morty on, on the podcast. 100 more podcast, Morty. Fuck. Ugh. But we're going to be talking about it every week. There's a new episode. It's so only for the next, what, nine weeks. So. Yeah. Bubble of a mother loving dub dub. Speaking of you lot getting in touch, stop touching us in the street. It's really not cool, it's guys. Creepy, it's really man. Not cool. Um, I know I wear lovely soft flannel, but this, you don't have to grip it. This email is really strange. What? In that we don't get strange emails. It comes with instructions, but I don't understand why. Do you not open until Christmas? Obviously, I'm not going to tell you what the instructions are. Um. <laughs> Because that would spoil it. But, um, okay, here we go. <clears throat> the title of this email is Why is the TripAdvisor Owl actually Satan? As far as I can tell, this has no relation to anything else that's in the email. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> also, um,. Hey YouTubers, it's Charlie here. Just want to send a little email. I am very busy this week milking all the Comic-Con stuff for gullible fans to get views. I don't know why I needed to say that, but that's apparently how I needed to say it. Wait, 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 wait. Give me that sentence. Give me me that sentence. Without the accent. Where is it? I'll go over done. Give me the sentence. Hey Uh, YouTubers. Where is it? Hey YouTubers, it's Charlie here. I just want to... I uh, just want to send a little email. Uh, I'm very busy this week making, milking all the Comic Con stuff for gullible fans to get views. Uh, uh, oh look, I just raised myself three thousand dollars for saying that Suicide Squad is a movie about movie. Uh, there's a movie and it's superheroes. And did you know that Squirrel Girl is a superhero? She might be in Suicide Squad too, even though she's owned by Disney. Basically, it's a dig at emergency. How the fuck are people watching this? Oh right, awesome. right, right, okay. Yeah, when they said obnoxious See, American accent, they didn't mean. Cousin Paulie. Yeah, I, that's what I'm walking here. I think of him now just as something like this. Um, <laughs> anyway, also, apparently... <laughs> give, 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 give me your glass. Oh? Apparently I have to do this. Oh. Oh. I don't know why. Um, when typing my email, I knew who the 13th Doctor... This is for me, by the way. Um, I When typing my email, I knew who the 13th Doctor was, but like... I do think the media have had a big, damn, huge field day with this story and will forever about how most of the man fan babies cried, even though Smith and Capaldi's casting really split it. Even though most people are ready to give up on the doctors of them whom's anyway. Jodie Whittaker being cast as a doctor has fixed no actual problems within the show itself. 
it's gone towards fixing the diversity problem, but yeah, I mean, mm. most of the problems have been scripted and production and all It's definitely gone to fixing an external problem, which is um, people's interest in the show. Yeah, I think people are more interested now. The casual audience are likely to all come back to dip a toe at least once next year for an episode. Yes. Uh, and might stick around, who knows? Uh, also, I wanted to make a Game of Thrones joke. Spoilers, I can't believe that fan favourite character died. I don't watch it, so that has no relevance to me. Uh, has a fan favourite character died? I know that's the joke. The joke is ha 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 Possibly, I mean, it depends on the fan. Mr. Season of John. Ha, 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 Did you enjoy the attic ha, ha, and your Sarah Jane Adventures marathon? How was Kudlak? It looked utterly brilliant. Doctor Who, how was the attic? The attic was great. That was a lot of fun. It was very, very hectic for for me as as one of the two people hosting the panels. It was sort of non-stop. We continued on. Um, took five-minute breather. I tagged Scott in like he was uh, Matt Hardy and I was Jeff Hardy. <laughs> and, uh, and he went to do a Q&A and off I went to have five minutes peace and have a cup of tea and then come back out and do another one. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was really cool to see um, such a massive celebration for a show that, as I said at the Attic, like I used to present into repeats of and then new episodes of Sarah Jane Adventures when I worked at CBBC. And you never really got to see the fan love in person for it. You saw it in the emails, for sure. And there'd always be hundreds of emails for new episodes. Asking questions whenever the cast were in. Hundreds of emails like in one go, asking questions and everything. But to see people in the flesh celebrating Sarah Jane Adventures and showing how much it meant to them and everything, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, so the attic was a lot of fun. Bojangles! Um, and Tiny Kudlak was, uh, he had fun too. As a little, you, uh, have you seen the laser tag episode from the first series, the one with General Kudlak, the thing bug headed alien in a red coat that um, basically is recruiting young warriors for an intergalactic war, like planet, uh, like many planets away, and based on like the laser tag skill, takes them in for a special uh, round. Like the, the laser tag places, like right. You guys are invited to the, the tournament for winners and everything. Like, come on in and all the best people who've played it get invited. Yeah. And then they just get teleported to the ship where their training proper is going to begin. Oh. And it turns out it's for a war that ended years ago and the Empress is just clinging on to, like, the glory of war, which she misses. And it's really... It's, so it's, one, it's, it's pretty good, right? It's one of the yeah. dumber but really fun stories from the first season. I'm going to have to watch it. Right it's here. so good. Borrow the box sets, man. Just binge. I binged it last week in prep. And it made me feel a lot better than a lot of other TV shows have done in a very long while. Doctor Who? No. Uh, S- Sorry, it's S-G-C-C. just my reaction now. Oh, was it? Uh, has always been odd to me. Don't know if that's just Chris Hardwick being cringe fest, or if it's just like Chris with a huge Johnson. Oh, that's a bit personal. So it's mainly just crowds clapping a lot slash badly shot. Oh, um, you touched on that last week, I think. What were we talking about? STCC? Uh, yeah, Doctor Who at San Diego. Oh, right, yeah. Um, um, yeah, it was... Eh, I only watched a bit of the Q&A, but it was just like, eh. I'll yeah. say this, though. Pete Capaldi gave a genuinely lovely, like, little roundup about why he loved everybody on the panel and what yeah. they do. In a way where you were like, oh my god, yeah. You kind of made me like everybody for a second there. Just for a second, mind. Just for a second. Just for a second. Um, His chat with Kevin Smith on the IMD boat 
is really yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's quite fun. Uh, mostly because Kevin Smith, like, he always he always opens his interviews and stuff like that where it's not something like he works on or works with, with like a little story. He always opens with a short story to basically say, "This is why I love the thing you're involved in. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it." And he talks about how like he adores School Reunion. And he watches it regularly, like, every yeah, now and again. Yeah. If he's feeling down, that's one of the programs he'll hop to on his iTunes or watch School Reunion, because it's just so joyful. And Stephen Moffat sort of goes like, well, thank you very much, but we had absolutely nothing to do with that. And Kevin's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. He's like, oh, I thought you were involved in it at the time. Moffat could have said, like, oh, I was writing for the show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But he doesn't. And then for the rest of the interview, Moffat keeps bringing up that Kevin made a wrong fact throughout the interview. And it's just really, like, he's being enthusiastic as hell. You'll have spoken to other presenters where they don't know what they're talking about and they're asking you questions. They've just been sent there to ask you some questions. Bit of a dick in him, I think. Like, connect. Whereas Peter Capaldi and him had a lovely time because he basically talks about Kevin Smith as like, bring back Malcolm Tucker. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. It's great because he goes like, "I've not sworn to talk to you." Let people watch the video. No, no. Let people watch the video. Saving you time. Discover it for themselves. Oh, fine. Okay. We have we have emails. Well, what was that? Was that the ghost of the ghost of Snark? I'm not finished this. This is the first fucking email, and I've still not finished it, Chris. The ghost of Snark is here to say, "Fuck." Nobody wants to see Stephen Moffat's face. Only in their nightmares. And it's flying away now. Can I finish this? Fucking email now, Christopher. No, I've still got more. Oh, for God's sake! (laughs) What's the rest of the email saying, Matt? From our long-time emailing pal, (sighs) emaily Bill. As Lydia's left five foot fans. Oh yeah, have you seen the video? R.I.P. R.I.P. She's not fucking dead. She's not dead. Um, Will the replacement be three options? You, Chris, in a wig, or (laughs) Adric, or another Phoenix? Oh, four options. Or I'm not old. If you know anything about them, you know they've been setting it up and it's obviously Nardole. <laughs> it's obviously Nardole. Because why not? Like, if we're not um, going to have Nardole again on the show, obviously Nardole's going to be the fifth Who fan. Also, how do we stop the bearded vampire Billy from draining the life out of another innocent soul? <laughs> I don't think that's what they do over there, is and, it? And that's the, that's the end well, of the Well, then end. again, Billy's the only... Billy's the only continuously rolling on member. Well, you know. Maybe he kills people. Um... Maybe Nardole is just Dan after the blood's been drained and his eyes are sticking out. Oh. Never thought about that, did you? Uh, I don't know why we had to swap our drinks round. Yeah, why did you... It says, in, it says in the email, the instructions say... Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, swap your and Chris's drink round, I'll explain why later. And then it's never explained. Just like to reiterate as well, we've both finished our drinks. Yeah, also we've so, both finished our drinks, so... Like, um, empty glass and can... And um, also, I like to put roofies in mine. It's just how I like... I like the flavour. Next one comes in from Dan Rawlings. Dan Rawlings, um, a music man who comes from far away. What can he play? I don't think I've sent an email in since the eighth episode or something. I don't know. Probably <laughs> because I made the mistake of sending you a load of questions at once instead of spacing them out. Um, <laughs> how do you feel knowing that people have spent, give or take, around 60 hours listening to you? Uh, oh, God. More than that, because some of the episodes are like two hours long makes, as well. It makes me really excited. It makes me very happy. I met a lot of you. Um, bumped. As I say a lot of you, like like you know, fifty eight people. Like I met, I met um, like a good four or five of you guys at the attic. So to all of you who are listening, especially Jennifer, just like in the middle of a queue, was like, "By the way, I really love the podcast." That made me smile. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, like thank you for listening. I yeah. like the fact people are listening to our bullshit. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy and a little less. Um, despairing um, you talk about spin-off shows a lot until you look at us in the eye and then Shush. we just sorry uh, 
You talk about spin-off shows a lot, in particular unwanted Doctor Who ones. So are there any Doctor Who spin-offs you would like to see? I myself think the legend Clyde Finch deserves his own detective show. We talked about this a little bit. I want to see a proper unit spin-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, I, I said I wanted to just see a spin-off where just William Russell is wandering around a room muttering variations of Chesterfield, Chesterfield. to himself. Chesterfield. Not even, Chesterfield. He'll never say Chesterton. It'll just be like Chesterfield, Chessington World of Adventures. Um, although, yeah, no, if a serious answer, a unit want to be called. Yeah, but not, not Kate Stewart, Osgood, none of them. Like, give us a, you know, give us, give us like a, a little regiment, like a new recruit to unit. Yeah. And don't do the Torchwood thing. Don't, don't do Torchwood slash Team Arrow and all that. Like, don't be like, we're an undercover little sect. But like, no. Let's do a show about a small paramilitary unit of unit who are sent to do specific things. Like the third Doctor unit stories, but without the Doctor. Yeah, like a, a show that is military, but... Military you know, procedural. We, we get to know like these five or six I'd watch that cadets one. specifically. That would be that. quite cool. Um, also, I'm in an upcoming musical and was wondering if you have any tips oh, nice. for nerves from singing or just generally speaking on stage, as I know Chris has been in a number of, pan- uh, in a number of pantos. Yeah. I've also performed on stage in musicals and in plays. Matt um, has musicaled the living uh, fuck out of the stage. Um, I've done like, I've done like, a, 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 I've done like a handful compared to the stuff you've done. No, you've done, well, in terms of, in, in strict number of actual numbers of shows and times you've been on stage. Wanky physical theatre doesn't count. Yeah. I'm talking about uh, musical. No, I mean, in terms of pantomime, <laughs> you've done more performances than I have, so. Um, no, but not variety of shows or, char- uh, well, or characters or indeed musical styles. But regardless, <laughs> regardless, um, take the compliment. The, the point it. is, <laughs> the point is, um, tips for nerves. Um, they're always going to be there. <laughs> yeah, like just embrace them. Then you're never not going to be nervous. Um, it's all it. It just it just takes practice to sort of rise above it. Mm. That's all. Yeah, and the only way to the only way to get over them the first time is to just say. Screw you guys and just do it. Yeah. Take the dive. Um You just sort of do it. And you never stop being nervous, but it it kind of There's I think there are certain situations where you don't get well, nervous, become, nervous. As you do it more you become more confident, you don't get as yeah. nervous, but you're always gonna have that sort of fear. Um and that's okay, that's that's the thing you can embrace and, and, and let that happen. Yeah. Know? I like you were saying in terms of like number of performances, like the, the recent stage thing it was Panto last year. That was 64 performances in total. Every single one, bar the last one, just before going on stage for my entrance, I felt the same way. Yeah. yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Um, you will. Like, I knew I knew I was going out there. I wasn't going to stop myself going out there. I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to go out there on my queue. I'm going to do that. But you still kind of feel that. And that's, it's not a bad thing. Like, it feels bad the first time, and then it just becomes part and parcel of the night. So just go with it, mate. And have fun. Have fun. Let us know what you're playing as well. Let us know what the show is. Let us know what part you're playing. Yeah. That'd be yeah, pretty cool. Be cool. Um, cheers, Dan. I probably won't contact you for another 30 episodes. Oh, let, let us know another 30 episodes how it went. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, let us know what you're doing. Um, wait, another thing. How many emails do I have to send in before I can work my way up to the Tom Monty tier of having my emails read in a particular voice? Um, no, we actually get Tom in to do the voice. Like, yeah, the, 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 Tom, he's, he's a very, very generous individual. We, we give him a heads up. We give him a ten minute heads up. Why did we start doing that voice? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it's because he sent in one particularly long one. I think I was doing Vincent Price, and then it just came. <laughs> Hello, Tom I'm Tom Monty. Monty. Um, Darkness falls and Dan, across the inbox. Dan sent a little follow-up asking, what do you think about Peter Davison and the Twitter storm? 
um, turned out to be a non-event. Yeah, really. he, like, he, it turned out that that statement was taken out of context. I mean, it's a silly thing to say, anyway. Yeah, I, but, I don't agree with him. No, but when you see the full but, thing, he's, yeah. not, he's not saying it's ridiculous. He's saying some people will find it difficult. I get, I kind of get what you're saying, but like, yeah, yeah. But like he, what allegedly, what he didn't say was it should never be a lady, but it was taken that way. Without yeah, the full he stuff didn't actually say that. So yeah, so it's like I think people should calm their tits, but at the same time, it is sad that he's left Twitter because of it. Yeah, he said he's gonna. What was it? He said he's, he's gonna wander. He's gonna go wandering off for a bit. Yeah, and it's just go. like oh man, just let it go. Let it go. What I love about it is like Colin Baker obviously got the most triumphant sort of like positive in there at the start. Like he gave a really big yeah, yes, yeah. that's brilliant, and all this. Um, Peter said nice things at the time and then like said something that was controversial that got taken way out of proportion and everything. Sylvester McCoy just did a really cute little video from a convention he was at that someone filmed him doing where he's like hanging in a stock just saying to her like well done make sure you don't get too tied to the job like I have oh dear or something like that it's just being Sylvester McCoy. Sylvester McCoy. like why has that one been lost in the melee? Like I want to see that. Positivity <laughs> man it always gets outshined. Um, Luke sends also in... he's like four foot tall so you can you'll see other things yes yeah, first uh, Luke sends in hey it was great meeting Chris at the attic yeah Ginger Luke Woo! I will just ask you two to list your top SJA episodes slash moments I haven't watched mm. enough SJA to really properly answer this question so Chris give me your top three okay. well I can, t- I can tell you a moment that you'll probably think oh, actually that is quite cool in general even if you don't recall it all too well yeah but do it quick because it's not a Sarah Jane moment it's a Doctor Who moment I want to get when they first ro- when, when Sarah Jane Smith <laughs> And Luke and Mr. Smith rock up in Stolen Earth. Oh, that yeah, is like, yeah. oh yeah. shit, that's, that's really the Sarah Jane Adventures. That's really good. Like, it's the feeling of that. I remember watching that go out and being like, wait, what? Because that was I, that was between series one and two of Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah. So yeah, the show had started um, and, you know, the ball was rolling. So that was very cool because it was all, it was immediate validation that, hey, you know that thing that thing on BBC Two and BBC Three that's been around for two years? I think I'll see BBC that's been around for a year. Guess what? We are all one big family. Yeah, yeah. And here it is. That was very cool. Plus it started this weird running joke of like whenever the kids cross the road they nearly get run over. Which doesn't really happen in the show but Doctor Who referenced it because it was a joke on set. Yeah. In, in yeah. End of Time, like he saves Luke from being hit by a car. Yeah. And that was apparently a reference to an in-joke. <laughs> so it's like, enough. fair enough. Um... Oh god! Uh, Two more. I won't go into full moments and stuff because, like, if you buy the DVD, which we'll, we'll definitely link to when the attic put it out, the DVD, which can look, includes all the talks and everything. I do talk about my love of the show in a couple of the panels. Um, it's for charity, right? It's for charity. That's yeah, why. So I'm, that's, why I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, yeah. So when it comes out, we'll give you the link because all the money goes to a good cause. Well, give us a tease. Um, but if I was just to be as basic as my favorite like episodes, for yeah. example, top three. Um, top three. Oh, in no particular order. Um, the Curse of Clyde Langer from season five is absolutely tremendous. Um, it's like this whole thing with a totem pole and a museum curse and everything gets screwy and basically anyone who says Clyde's name and begins to immediately detest him like it makes him feel violently horrible to even think about him. Yeah. So he's eventually kicked out. He gets to the point where he's homeless. Because it's like he can't oh. go home. Like it's, it's, it's horrible. It's really freaking horrible. That is horrible. And Skye is the only one who's unaffected because she's the most recent addition and she starts to force everyone to face like why do you hate Clive like what and they're like stop saying his name and they're getting really because I keep wanting to say Clive um, but you know what I mean it's this whole thing yeah, of like yeah. oh my god and it's, it's it, they, they're forced to sort of turn in on it whilst he bonds with this this homeless girl and everything and it's 
It's so good, and it's a Grateful Four script, and Danny Anthony's amazing in it. I love the trickster episodes. The trickster stories are absolutely phenomenal, but the one that you get the most bang for your buck in is, well, I suppose the wedding of Sarah Jane Smith with David Tennant, but but out of those three, I think my favourite is The Temptation of Sarah Jane Smith from Series Mm 2, where she's taken back to the Foxgrove fate... Like there's a, there's a hole in time opens up. And there's like boys running around from the in from the like fifties um, uh, or whatever. He's running around. So they take him back through this this hole in time that they found. And Sarah Jane like calms him down, comforts him, and walks him back through. They go to the thing, and she realizes that she's outside of the village she grew up in, and she asks him what year it is, and she's it was the like a year after she was born mm-hmm. and she just can't help herself and she eventually goes back the next day she's like no this is too much of a coincidence i can't do this but she goes back the next day and luke comes with her um and basically she's there she meets her parents oh. who she found who she who she's always thought abandoned her when she was young because her aunt um lavinia yeah, great aunt Lavinia. Yeah, uh, like took her in. Yeah, and she was never really told why they were gone, but she knew it involved an accident. But yeah. she always felt personally like they'd abandoned her, so she just wants to get to know them, like without obviously cottoning on who she is. But they, it's really sweet because when when her mum first sort of meets her, she's like, "We've met before, right?" She's like, "No, she's like, I'm sorry, I just." I- I just had this feeling we we know each other, and it's just like, "Oh my god!" And you're watching Liz Sladen play this. Like the reactions to this stuff, it's gorgeous. And then, like she, she realizes a car accident is going to happen that day, and that's the thing that kills them. Yeah. So she repairs the car, like she uses a Sonic and everything. She repairs it, and Luke's like, "You can't do this." And she's like, "You're asking me to let my parents die." And you're like, "This is a kid show. This is Father's Day." Not, but exactly, but, yeah. it, but in that more personal state, where like she's completely involved in their yeah, fate. Yeah, yeah. Like, in Father's Day, Rose fucks up big time. In this, Sarah Jane sort of fucks up because it starts the event and you realise that the trickster's involved. Yeah. And again, it's about removing her story the way it was meant to be. And then chaos will unfold and she'll he'll benefit from all the chaos and everything. Um, and it's really great the way that goes. But, like, also, meanwhile, back in the real world, the trickster's henchman, like, where time gets rewritten and screwed up, the trickster's, like, recruited hench guy, the Grask, uh, is... Um, being apprehended by Ronnie and Clyde, who are back in yeah. the real timeline, back in the real time where the timeline has been affected and everything's fucked, uh, trying to figure out how to get back because they found out the Grask is also a prisoner of the Trickster. He's not working with him. It's part of a deal. It's great. It's absolutely brilliant. Get so on with good. it. And then if I had to pick another off the top of my head, um, and, oh God, Death of the Doctor. Death of the Doctor. Death of the Doctor's yep. amazing. Matt Smith, Katie Manning, uh, David Bradley voicing the Shan Chief, um, <laughs> which is great. Uh, I can't remember her name, but the unit officer who's essentially turns out to be the villain of the whole thing. She's freaking brilliant. And Matt Smith scenes are great. And there's a wonderful moment. It's the, it's the only time you get to see Russell T. Davis write for Matt Smith. Yeah, yeah. And it's brilliant. It's one of the few Sarah Jane stories he wrote fully himself We've talked as about well. this one before, I think. It's so good. The bit where him and Clyde, like, he's backing, he's found them and he's backing out the ventilation shaft and Clyde's, like, crawling towards him. So they're face to face while they're backing out of this thing. And Clyde's just like, it's amazing. It's like, I thought your eyes would be the same. He's like, what? He's like, I thought your eyes would be the same, but your eyes are different as well. It's like, does it, so, like, are you always white or can you be different things? I can be anything. Really? Yeah. Like, uh, how many times can you do it? 512. And they just keep backing out of the thing. It's so wonderful. But, like, seeing two companions who are in separate... Like, they had the same Doctor at one point. They were both with the third Doctor. But seeing two companions who never met meet each other. And you find out they both heard about each other. Yeah. 
just watching Katie Manning and, and Liz Sladen play off each other is amazing. It's so much fun. And then throwing Matt Smith in and you're like, oh, this is weird because I know who those two are. <laughs> and he's like your whippersnapper we've just had a year of. I don't know who that is. And then they have a lovely scene together in the second episode with all three of them. Yep. And you, that's one of the scenes where I was like, he's the Doctor. Like, I believe that that's John Pertwee. I believe that that's Tom Baker. Yeah. The way the three of them are acting together, I buy it completely. It's so good. Sorry I went off on a that's tangent. Good. You always go off on tangents. But I love that easy. show. Sorry. This was supposed Sorry. to be an hour-long show, Chris. Oh, screw it. This was supposed to be an hour-long show. That's true, but we talked about um, Rick and Morty, and it's so Chris, good. Chris, yes. did you get the picture I tweeted of the bathroom, buddy? I think I saw it. I, I was. It was a very hectic day of tweets the day afterwards, so I will search back through it. Tweet it back at me to make sure that I get it. Tweet it I got, back I've at had me. a lot of mentions this week, because I did one of those Doctor Who... Uh, pick the episode that got you into yeah, it, favorite yeah, thing, yeah. and people on Twitter keep forgetting to untag people who aren't connected to conversations. So I'm getting responses to like something that a producer that I've never met in my life tweeted four or five days ago. So it's been lost yep. in my mentions. Tweet it at me, brah. Oh, uh, also please give a return for guy. A return, please give guy a return. Just give it. Oh, what to on the, this? On the show, I imagine. Have him on the show. Um, well, oh, guy, guy can never. There's an unwritten law. Guy can never be in the big damn cast. But maybe Father Christmas could make we'll a return see, to the we'll big damn cast. We'll see. Um, Luke also <laughs> asks, um, "Shall I make a '90s Ten esque podcast for SGA? Don't ask us. Do it if you want. If you want. I mean, yeah. you've missed the deadlines, but uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 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 been, it's, it's longer than ten years old. But if you want to do that, I would say so. A lot of people have been inspired by the by the the attic and the run up. A few YouTubers have done like retrospectives of the seasons and everything. Yeah. So absolutely, Luke, I would I would totally watch your take on that. If you do it, let us know, and we'll uh, we'll put it out in the podcast. Yeah. Um. Finally, from Jacob. Jacob, Finally. the man um, with the golden knees. Hello, big damn cockers. How are you? I still stand my hatred of the ruddy shite TV show Riverdale. Fine. <gasps> you, can't, you can't please them all. I've still not watched it yet. Um, I was thinking you and you guys, you and guys, should do a commentary for Love and Monsters, the amazingly good episode of BBC TV's The Doctor Who. Hey, if Matt doesn't want to do it, I'll happily stand in for him and me and Christopher Logopolis Johnson can watch it together. <laughs> I may have just made all of my past and future opinions redundant by saying that, oh, I can see an angry mob coming down my drive, be right back. Now that I've fought off a mob of enraged Doctor Who fans, I just want to say thanks to you guys. I want the highlights. I mean, we can constantly make me laugh and say thanks for everything you do. Oh, you're welcome. Um, Thanks, Jacob. <laughs> I hmm. see. I would rather do a Love and Monsters it. commentary. I, I, I'm going to say this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not shunning you, sir. I'm not rejecting you. I would rather do it with another person who also weirdly likes it, like I do, just because then there'd be a one thing on the internet that was a positive look at Love and Monsters. What, like Father Christmas. No, I don't know if Father Christmas likes it. I think Billiam Tracy likes it. Does Billiam Tracy like it? I believe oh. Billiam Tracy likes it. So, the, at the same time, it would be nice to I have have a, a different opinion one, but I think the internet has enough... The internet needs some Mother Monsters positivity. Yeah, it needs some love. It was my worst episode. And monsters. That, that, I know, that it's, that's what we by surprise, even in a world with, like, the girl who died and the woman who lived. Yeah, but monsters, though. And the witch is familiar. It's, it's the... It's the Pebble, it's the paving stone stuff. Kill the moon. It just leaves a sour taste. I like kill the moon. Leaves a sour taste in someone's mouth. Oh! oh! Uh, now, Doctor Who question. What's your favourite... Oh, Let's reluctantly answer this. Okay. Mm. What's your favourite comic book which uses the unitard of Doctor Who? Favourite what? Comic book. Comic book connected to Doctor Who? Yeah. Ninth Doctor ongoing. Um, but if you're going to pick up one thing and randomly read it, I highly recommend picking up... Uh, either The Forgotten, which is a short... Um, multi-doctor story using all of the first ten doctors which is just fun and daft and silly mm-hmm. or uh, pick up uh, Lost in 
Is it Lost in Time? Uh, or the Lost Dimension? There was a crossover event with IDW yeah, yeah. about three years ago for the 50th anniversary where it's with all, then as then all 11 Doctors. Um, and it's indiv- Both of them work because they're not just Oh, multi-doctor for the sake of it, like, yeah. it's individual stories and each story with each one has a, a linking clue that relates back to, in the first book's case, the tenth doctor, in the second book's case, the eleventh doctor. Um, plus the villain of, of the, the eleven doctors one is kind of a brilliant twist. Because <laughs> it's someone we've met before, but they're not oh, a yes. you talk Yeah, you talk yeah um, it works well. I would say, I really like the old DWM strips, so... Dave Gibbons, mm, Tom yeah. Baker stuff. Um, Grant Morrison did a couple of Colin Baker ones, which were really weird, like Will Shapers and stuff like that, which are, which are good fun. Um, yeah, probably the Dave Gibbons, the early Dave Gibbons stuff with, uh, with, the, with the fourth Doctor and the original, the early issues of Doctor Who Weekly, as it was then. Yeah. Um, do, do, yes. do the David Gibbons. Well, <laughs> since it's that time again, Yes, that time to it's, sign out, guys. It's, it's, uh, big uh, damn contact at gmail.com. once again. I thought we'd, uh, we'd oh, tease a bit of upcoming content by giving you some, giving you some tips. Do, do you have to? For the Crash Bandicoot oh, War. Must you do this? Um, must you, must you the, do the best this, of the Crash Bandicoot games. Oh, Christ alive. Um, oh, if you're playing Crash I'm Bandicoot Crash Warps on the PS1, and yes. you want to play the Spiral the Dragon demo. Why would you get, want to uh, do that? Get a taste of that hot upcoming title. Hot, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> At the title screen, press up twice, no, down twice, no, left, right, left, right, and square. If you want instant ukka ukka, then during play... <laughs> Why would you want that? Press square, uh, press triangle and circle and X and square. No, this only works on the PAL version of the game and may only be done once per life. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter, of course, at BigDamnCast. Go to level 14, road crash, and start the race. We'll see you next week for some more bollocks. Continue until you're chased by the giant Triceratops when you come to the second Pterodactyl. Send help. The second Pterodactyl. Send help. I'm to capture you. Please. And warp to level 32. Please. I've read half of one tip and then ran half of the next. I'm... I've actually gone cross-eyed. I, I don't know if I can read this, 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 this fucking book anymore. Run your hot bath.